dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Leaders don't get to be in the positions that they have by doing nothing. Instead, they're men and women of action. But does this mean that they have to leave their people behind? Is there a way to unite both action and productivity and caring for the advancement of our people? In the Catholic imagination, the two are linked. In the 13th century, a Dominican friar named St. Thomas Aquinas gave valuable insight into this very question by comparing human leadership with God's government of the world. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad to have you back with us again. First of all, I just want to thank you and salute you for even taking this course with the St. John Leadership Network Uh, because, I mean, how many business people would naturally think that they're going to be reading theology And by reading theology, learning about what it means to lead. Usually we kind of think of spirituality and religion as being something you put on the side, uh, almost like dressing on your salad. It makes the salad really great, but you're not there for the dressing. You're there for the salad, right? And so in the same way, hey, we got a job to do. And so if we can do it on the side by knowing something about God and him making us feel good, well, then everything is good in life. But let's not put our focus there. And I can understand that, like it, because practically put, that is what you have to do. You've got a job to do. You need to do it. But by the same token, it doesn't behoove you to do it poorly. And how do you do that job well will depend on the philosophy, the mindset that you have that you take into it. It's not just, in other words, about effectuating work. It's about how you effectuate that work. And when you're an organizational leader, you're dealing with something extremely complex, maybe the most complex thing that there is, the human person. I mean, we all know that it's not just a question of getting our jobs done. (laughs) We have to actually lead people to do them with us and to do them for us. And that's a science in and of itself. And it's extremely difficult because you're dealing with human motivation and therefore you're dealing with human baggage, right? That everyone brings into the jobs with them. And you're dealing with the culture around you, which is forming your workers into a certain mindset that may or may not be compatible with the culture that you've created there in the workplace and what you need them to perform with. And that's not even talking about all of the interpersonal dynamics between folks as the people don't get along or people don't communicate and pride and jealousy. I mean, You've almost got to be a a rocket scientist to make this thing happen, right? Well, not a rocket scientist, of course, but you have to be a, oh my gosh, a philosopher. (laughs) I mean, even the military, for example, is very interesting when they have their officers who are commissioned into the branches. There's reading lists for them. In order, if you're going to serve in the military as an officer, you need to have read a certain number of books and a lot of them about leading people. But the question is, what's in those books? Where does that come from? 
And it comes from a philosophy. Each book is going to have a set of philosophical underpinnings that determine what it tells you about leadership. And, and you can find this in all the different books. If you do any kind of studies into how to motivate people, how to find good people, how to balance your time, how to delegate a task, all those different questions, ownership, etc., all those things that you're going to study in your various leadership books come from somewhere. They have a, a set of, of basic principles that then they elaborate in a beautiful way to be very effective for you. Well, I think that the Catholicism and Christianity has a, is that basic set of principles that we can also elaborate for you so that your leadership training and your understanding about what you do is actually based in the principles that God gives. And actually, that's why we exist at the St. John Leadership Network. We're trying to help you to do just that. And that's why you're reading theology. You're going back to the principles, in other words. And we're elaborating in and through those principles the beautiful ways that those things can impact and guide you as a leader so that you're not just leading according to the ways of the world, but that you're leading according to the ways of God. And if we could have leaders that would lead according to the ways of God in their workplace, our whole world would be better off. I happen to think that if Jesus Christ was the CEO of your company, it would be a better company. <laughs> so he's, the, he's in heaven, right? So he sent you to be the CEO instead, right? If Jesus Christ was managing that project, we'd all be just so immensely happy. He'd be the perfect project manager. Absolutely. I mean, if Jesus Christ were making your roof for you or building your table for you, you would know that this was, in fact, the best in the world. Well, he's, again, left us to that task. But he's empowered us by his Holy Spirit to do just that, to manage our people, to lead our initiatives, to lead our companies. And the, his principles, if we apply them correctly, well, will make the biggest of differences. It just, it goes even without saying. That's why I want to then focus this in where we're at today. We're at the third of six talks here that we're doing on St. Thomas Aquinas's Summa. And I, I love doing these talks. St. Thomas was, he wrote in the 1200s. He was a Dominican friar, one of the greatest minds in Western uh, civilization. And he wrote this book called the Summa. And in the Summa, he kind of summarizes all of theology. And so we ask the questions, what is God's point in governing the world? So we know that God's got the whole world in his hands, that he looks out over the whole world. But in fact, what, what does he do when he does that governance? And that's a really good question because in the same way as God governs the world, we who follow God's principles for leadership are going to be leading our teams. So what is the point of a Christian leader? of a leader who follows in God's pathways for his leadership or her leadership. Uh, what, what's gonna, what, is, what is that going to produce in the company or the organization? Or what must it or should it produce if we're actually leading our people in God's way? And I, I'm fascinated by his response because all of us know the burden of our leadership. We have got pressure on us. As soon as you get to the top, it means actually you go to the bottom. <laughs> You become responsible for everything that's underneath you. And that means that in a sense, the, the leader is a servant. And the higher that you go, the more that you have to problem solve and effectuate well. And that is, therefore, that equates to pressure. If you don't want pressure, just descend down the ranks, divest yourself of leadership, 
And you still have a pressure. You have to effectuate what you have to do. But it's a lesser pressure than having to make sure that everyone effectuates what they have to do. So by and large, you can define leadership according to its pressure and the pressure that it puts on you, that you need to be able to solve problems. And not only that, you need to be able to help your people to solve problems, to enable and to empower the people who are underneath you to rise. And, and there it, it's kind of tricky because the drive that can get someone from point zero to one is not the same drive that's going to get that person from point one to point number two. Right. So it, you, there's a, a, an initial startup drive, for example, in the entrepreneur where that person can do something really great and decides to make a business out of it. And so they start. They're really great at making ice cream cones. And so they open an ice cream cone factory. Really great. The only thing is very soon as their business expands, they find that they're not spending their time making ice cream cones, that they're spending their time helping the people to make ice cream cones. And that's a different kind of thing. And suddenly you have to shift or decide if you're going to shift, for example, from doing what you do really well into enabling other people to do what you do very well. And as your business grows, you then have to spend more and more time helping the people to do just that. And yet the pressures remain because while you now have to have all kinds of systems in place to actually help your people from HR to training to management you also have to continue to produce the same amount, if not more, of an expanding business. And therein lies a, a question that a lot of us have. Is it okay for me to simply focus on the business and leave my people behind? It's so hard to invest in the people and to build them up. Wouldn't it be easier just to focus on production? And of course, you got the same dynamic with the family. As you lead your families, you, you know, many people decide we're going to focus in on the outside. Where are they going to go to college? Are they going to make it to the best soccer teams? How, are my kids going to have the best health care necessary? And that's all wonderful. But what about their little hearts and their relationships? How do we form them to be great people who are from the inside full of virtue and integrity, especially when they oppose us and kick against us and fight with us? As we know, a lot of parents just give up on discipline altogether because they want their kids to be quote unquote happy, but they're not necessarily happy because they're not good. They're good on the outside, but they don't know who they are on the inside. You see, all human leadership is trying to accomplish in our little sphere an imitation of what God accomplishes when he governs the whole world. So by looking at how God governs the world, we can get some really valuable insights as to how we ought to lead in our own spheres of influence. And this is exactly what Thomas Aquinas gives us. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So St. Thomas Aquinas, he's a Dominican friar in the 1200s and he's sitting at a university in Paris in France and he's writing this book, basically he's a theology teacher He's asking the question, what is the point of the God's government? So what he means is that God who made the world also is involved in the world. Well, what is God producing when he's involved in the world? And interestingly, 
His answer to this question goes back to exactly what we're trying to ponder in this one. How do I balance the external needs of the objective elements that are required for something to to rise? So in business, it would be production. In family, it would be health or provision of the basic needs for the family, right? How do I balance that? I've got to get that done and I've got to provide for that with the fact that the real point of what I'm trying to do as a parent or as a leader is leave my people better and help my workers to actually become more invested in their work, better skilled and better trained in what they do. And, and, if I, and we all know if I focus in on my people, my productivity will also go through the roof. My turnover will decline. There's just a lot of advantages to doing that. Just like if I have good kids from the inside who are full of virtue and moral excellence, well, I'm not going to have to really worry so much about whether or not they're at the best of colleges, right? Because wherever they are, they're going to be fantastic. A lot of times we try to, we try to placate, we put on the outside of our families the insignia of greatness, thinking that that replaces the actual greatness that can only come from character and from virtue, right? So if we're parents, it's like, well, which way do we go? And I have to say, obviously you have to do a little bit of both, but you need to focus in on the right things first. So St. Thomas focuses us in and says, the very first thing that God does with respect to the universe is he makes the whole universe good. So he allows the things that are in the world to be pointed towards their right end. And this is the first job of any leader. It's to make sure that whatever is underneath your influence comes to its flourishing. You're supposed to help the people who are underneath you. You can't just say that they're there in order to attain the ends of the company or any more than you can say that my kids are there in order to make me look like a great parent. No, you're a parent for the kids. You're a leader of your company for your employees and not the other way around. And you're like, well, it is a little bit the other way around. I mean, at least in a company, they've volunteered, so to speak, to be there and to be a part of that company to produce. And I'd say, yes, you're absolutely right. And so as a leader, you have to make sure that that happens because that company itself goes to sustain them. And yet the focal point of any leadership can't be that alone. You will lose the connectivity with your people. And you will also lose the real point, the deeper point for what that company is all about, which is the betterment of the people who work for it. And so here, St. Thomas really points us to saying that's exactly what God does. He makes a world intent on allowing that world to flourish and making sure to bring that world towards its full flourishing. But he does it, he he underlines, in an amazing way. Not only does God provide by creating the world and then governing in a general way towards the end, but he makes everything that is underneath him become like him according to its nature. And for human beings, this means that he uses human beings to cause the goodness of others. Now, that's a very profound statement. And what I really want to bring you in on, because it's really at the heart of what we're trying to say here. A leader causes the goodness of people who will then cause the goodness of others. And when you think about the term goodness, that's where everything lies for Aquinas. Goodness doesn't just mean that they're happy. Goodness means that they are brought to a state of perfection. 
meaning that there is a fullness in their life that comes from a heightening of their talents and abilities. I, in other words, lift my people up, not just in their ability to produce for me, but in who they are, right? And that, that type of government is a very powerful concept for us to put into our minds because it means that I'm not just there to care for people on the outside by sustaining their current level. I'm there to inspire and to equip my people from the inside to be able to do even more after having been associated with me than they were before they met me. This is really a, a very, it's an amazing thought. What if all of our leaders were to do that? I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if your leader became a, a type of benefactor, right? A, a, a friend for who you really are that by associating and working for that person, you actually became equipped to be even better for who, where you were going in the future. That's the Catholic vision. And you're like, where do we find that vision? Where does that, where does that come from? It comes from God. <laughs> I just think that that's an amazing statement. God not only cares for the universe as a whole, but he cares for each person in the universe, that the universe as a whole will become better, will become like unto him and, f and reflect his glory. Sure. And therefore you could think of it, if you're a business person, that means that therefore I found my business. Good job. You're doing a good thing for good people and you're getting paid for it. Yes. But then there's another step. And that is that Aquinas says every member, every person that God governs, God governs so as to help them to become even better in who they are. And in the same way, I, who am leading a business, need to care for my people and invest in them so that they too can become better, better workers, more intelligent, more, more disciplined, absolutely, and with healthier interactions between them. My culture, in other words, for a Christian leader is not an option because in the end, we understand that that even trickles down right into the family and that we simply cannot uh, be satisfied with providing for our kids on the outside without taking care of their character. So those are the first two of the effects of divine government that we can then replicate in our leadership and we need to. But the third effect is really where Thomas's thought comes to an apex. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. All right, so we're looking at the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas on leadership. And I'm drawing it out of his treatise on divine government, where he asks the question, what is the effect that God renders the world by governing it? And of course, that's a very good question. We all say, yes, I, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, what is the point that God is, is aiming towards by his government? And Aquinas lists out basically three principal points. And then he adds a fourth. And, but his three principal ones are, first of all, that the whole world becomes better. By it, so the world as a as a whole is made to reflect him. Then he says each individual person augments their nature, that is their intelligence and their will. God's going to govern each person so that every person become more of who they are. Right, and then the third effect, and this third one 
is really where the brilliance shines forth and it's so fruitful for us as we consider the impact of our leadership. He says that creatures imitate their creator in that they become causes of goodness by moving other creatures to also be good themselves. In other words, God causes creatures to be so good that not only are they perfect, so to, spe so to speak, in themselves, but that they cause other creatures to then be good. It's one thing, in other words, to be good and to be complete, to be intelligent, to be skilled, to be ethical. Okay, nice. It's another thing to be able to impact those around you so that they also become not only like you good, but also then cause the good. In other words, Aquinas is saying God's divine government is to actually multiply himself. He allows his creatures to become like him in their perfection, but also to become like him in their fruitfulness. And this is the real challenge that I have for you in your leadership, right? Like, are you leading just in order to make the, the, the gears turn in the machine that you've created? Are you there just in order to check off the boxes and make sure that the project is done correctly? If you are, you're short selling yourself. It's not that that's bad. It's just that, my goodness, there's so much more. We're, we're allowed to make an impact in the spirit. And you make an impact in the spirit when another person, by being around you, catches the same flame that's inside of you. In other words, yes, we have to lead in a very practical sense to get things done that has to always be there. But we get to have a deeper perspective as Christian leaders and to say we're not there just to make sure that things get done and people get paid and profit is generated. We can actually be there in order that the people around us become better by being there, be more human, more intelligent, more humane, more gifted, more skilled, and we get to help them to actually become equipped to lift up the people on the inside that they then will influence. Christian leaders are followers of Christ who lead others in order to help them to lead others in turn. Why? Because that's exactly what God does. God who governs the entire world has made you a mom, right? So now you're a mom. Well, you're like, why wouldn't God just be the mom? God is perfect. He could be a much better than a mom than I can. I, I know he, he, he absolutely can, but he chose you to be a mom. Why? Because he wants you to not only be a nice person, but to know that deep joy and dignity that comes from helping create leaders of your children. Young people who will also be just like you are, a person who gives life and spirit to those around them. This is the, the real beauty of God's government. God's government is not that he be in charge and that we be totally subservient to him. It is, of course, there's a perspective where you can say that that's valid. Absolutely. But the neat thing about God's government is that he is in charge of people whom he then asks to be in charge of areas of their world. And he asks them to be in charge of areas of their world, of his world, in such a way, in the same way that he was. Meaning that they then are to lead people into leadership, to cause people to be good by causing them to be able to cause others to be good. There's a dynamic, catalytic aspect to God's divine government. He really places himself underneath the creature's true perfection, not just in a static way by them actually developing into what they are, 
but in a catalytic way where we develop into whom we are in a way that gives other people permission and ability to develop into who they are so that in the same way they can then pass that on. There's two dimensions, in other words, to a Christian notion of perfection. One is to have everything that you need and have everything that's required. And the other is to pass that ability on to those who are around you in such a way that they can do the same. What a vision. What a vision, because if I were to apply that into my workplace environment, I would understand the importance of the, the training and the empowering of my employees, not just from the point of view of skills, but also from the point of view of interpersonal management and motivation. To unleash, in other words, a herd of lions, right? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have our, our company harnessed to stallions that were just pulling the thing forward of their own volition? instead of having to be prodded and, and kicked along the way. No way, right? It'd be, it'd be amazing to have people that are free and that want this thing. And that, that's the goal of a leader. A good, a good leader will produce leaders in turn. And that's just such a, it's so wonderful to see that that's actually a very profound Christian concept all the way from the 1200s that's written. And of course, he's, he's citing back and going even further to a holy antiquity of thought that simply decides to look at our roles as a leader in the light of the ultimate leader, which is God. And, and just as God provides for the whole universe's good and then allows each person to have a flourishing of their character, he then adds to it in a third way, in a third effect, that ability that each creature can have to cause the goodness of those around them. This is the vision that you can catch for yourself as a leader. When God made you a leader, he didn't just make you a leader to do something. He made you a leader to inspire others. The deepest legacy of your leadership is in the people who are around you. Your inventions will fade away. Your, your, your structures will one day vanish. But the impact of the spirit where you lifted people up in such a way as to help them to lift up people underneath them and around them Oh, that's like a ripple in a pond that simply does not die. It continues and it even grows with time. Make your seed bed, in other words, the spirit. Just as God makes the whole world and then through freedom allows each one of us to, to generate goodness in others. So he's given you a business. He's given you a family. Use it wisely. Put your energies into the deepest impacts you can make. The impact of releasing other people's ability to make impact themselves. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.